Welcome to the Charlotte Shields Coaching Podcast. I have real answers from real spouses of how to uplevel your marriage, even if you've lost hope. You can be the spouse you want to be, and you'll feel appreciated, cared for, and desired again. Let's create your marriage miracle. It's simple, but not easy. Nothing worth having ever is. Stick around to learn what it takes to create the marriage you've always dreamed of. Hey y'all. So we have talked about my coach, Brooke Castillo's model in the last two episodes. Do you want me to tell you something that is really cool? When your teenager starts helping you with a circumstance in the family with the model. This I consider a huge win. Last week, my husband made salmon. It was expensive. He tried a new way of cooking it. And when we went to sit down and eat it, it was black. I started to ask questions about it and they weren't helpful or useful. My teenage son started making observations related to the circumstance because he knows the model. Basically that it was already over and I was fighting against reality. We can't change it. And also that it did cost money, but... A good thought to think is that dad paid for it. Wow, I was stopped in my tracks. Wouldn't it be great to teach your kids the difference between circumstances and thoughts and what they have control over in their lives and what they don't? That thoughts are optional, including the ones about burned salmon, and they get to choose what they want to think about it, and then they will feel a certain way. I think it's amazing. I want to touch on something before telling you about the next superpower that I promised in the last episode. I have already done a few episodes on loving yourself and taking care of yourself. And I hope you've grasped the importance of this concept. If you want to love others better, you absolutely must love yourself better. That's why the two greatest commandments are to love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. The better you get at loving yourself, the better you'll be at loving everyone around you, including your neighbor. So one of the best ways I found to love myself is giving myself permission to take care of me. It's finding ways to elevate my mood and appreciate what I accomplish every single day. It's discovering my unique talents and gifts and hobbies and intentionally noticing and giving myself a pat on the back for doing them. It's uncovering what brings me light and joy in my life. So this is where many young moms, and I would have been among them, will say they don't have time for themselves, so they can't possibly do self-care. You do. You can take care of small children and elevate your mood. Turn on your favorite upbeat song. Get outside. Meet a friend. Consciously plan for a treat at a certain point in the day. When your baby is napping, make it your time to take care of you. Give yourself permission to take a much needed nap or do something you love that fills you up. There's no mom rule book that says you have to work nonstop in order to be a good mom. This actually creates a depleted, exhausted mom and wife. Not helpful for anyone, including your husband and children. This is a huge part of the healing process in any difficult situation or relationship in your life. Make sure you give yourself permission to take care of you. Your future self will thank you. Now to the second superpower. We learned superpower one in the last two episodes. When you feel down, 
Find your thought causing your feeling and question whether you want to keep it. Besides this work, I have another superpower that will change your life. This is a tool that I use very most after using the model and intentionally choosing thoughts and it's allowing emotions. Your emotions each day are yours to own. If you are miserable, it is really on you. No one, including your spouse, can make you miserable. Your thoughts are creating your misery. I used to be a miserable spouse, and I I was sure it was all my spouse's fault. This was simply not true. I didn't even know what would create happiness for me. And then I blamed him for my unhappiness. Why did I expect him to make me happy when I hadn't even figured it out? What if we don't want to change our thoughts? This is where allowing emotion comes in. What if we want to feel annoyed? This just happened on Valentine's Day to me. Let me explain. My husband copied my Valentine to him. I'll just read one line, but the whole note was pretty much the very familiar to what I had written him earlier in the day. But here is one line, just one line. I really lucked out in the spouse lottery. Okay. I wrote him that. And then he wrote this. I must have won the wife lottery to have gotten you. Okay. So I know I can laugh about it now because I already have, you know, mentioned this to a couple of people and we just kind of laughed because this is probably like a very common thing. Like, um, so in any case, I wanted to feel annoyed about this note. I didn't want to switch to a pretty thought. I just allowed myself to feel annoyed. I will tell you how to do this in next week's episode, but just know that when you accept what you are feeling, and you work through it and process it, you feel way better. This is a super mentally healthy way to approach any challenge, to allow yourself to just feel the negative emotion that is there. It's a way to acknowledge where you're at, but also you don't have to judge and condemn. It provides a quick way to heal and move on. Most of us just don't do this. I know this because a few days later, I was telling someone about this and she said, are you going to sit down and talk to him about how that hurt your feelings? And I said, oh no, there is no reason to. I haven't even thought about this until our conversation. It just, just made me think of it. I'm totally fine. I processed my emotion for as long as I needed. I got curious about the circumstance, gave him the benefit of the doubt, changed my thought, and now I truly feel completely fine. Wives, your husbands hate the phrase, we need to talk. Ask just about any man in the world. If your husband loves that phrase, you are one of the lucky few. Let's imagine the scenario that I didn't allow for my emotion and do the thought work on this Valentine situation. I sat my husband down and I told him his Valentine copied mine and I didn't feel like he put much thought or effort into it. This is the type of thing I would have done in the past. I thought I needed to tell him what I needed from him. So next time he would get it right. Then I would feel better about our relationship. Truly. Do you think that next Valentine's Day, he is going to write a more heartfelt card from that place? That he is going to see the error of his ways and look forward to the next Valentine's Day card writing process? Because I didn't bring it up and I won't anymore. He tells me the truth about what he's really thinking. And I tell him the truth about what I'm really thinking. 
In fact, if I did bring this up, he might forego writing a card altogether next time because he doesn't want to get it wrong. No one likes to be told they are doing it wrong, especially when they're trying to do something kind. It's a kind gesture. So he will likely be less likely to write a card at all next year. Not only that, but if he did write the card, it would be from a place of obligation instead of from the heart. If you have to tell him to do it and then how to do it right, does that feel good either? My favorite thing to do when I want my husband to do something is to tell him I would love or I want or that would make me so happy and not expect it to happen. That's how I got my Valentine's present. We were in Costco and we were on the way out and I saw a vase with tulip bulbs. I buy myself these every year. I love seeing the tulips open in the middle of, you know, snow outside and freezing temps and it always cheers my heart. So I said, oh, I didn't see those. I want those. I'll get them next time I come. I hope they're still there. Then my husband asked, do you want them for Valentine's Day? I said, yeah. He said, okay, you go to the car and I'll go buy them. That's how I got a Valentine's present I loved and wanted. I expressed my desires. I didn't expect him to buy them. When he offered, I was just grateful that he cared enough to go back and that he even remembered Valentine's Day was coming up because I didn't. I got exactly what I wanted and I felt loved as the tulips opened up the next week. Total win-win. Didn't love the card. I did that work on myself. Didn't have to mention it. In these instances where our brains want to offer us a very sad story about how our husband doesn't care about us enough to come up with anything original, or he didn't put any time and thought into it, or he doesn't care about the relationship as much as we do, just stop. Stop and get curious, which is what I did. On call the night before, that was one of the situations that I thought of. He'd worked all day. He was tired. Valentine's Day wasn't on his radar because he was providing for our family. He still made efforts. He said nice things. I also look forward and inward, noticing how my behaviors weren't as grateful or kind lately. And his thoughts weren't as amazing as they'd been in past notes because I wasn't being as amazing a wife as I could be. Getting busy and not making him as much a priority as I want to had a little to do with his note. Before I teach you how to process emotions, you need to know what most of us do instead, which is what I call rawr. So think of like a lion that's not in a good mood. None of us is taught how to deal with emotions in school or at home as children. We were simply never taught. When difficult emotions come up, we learned unhealthy coping mechanisms to handle them. And chances are you're still using those coping mechanisms now if you're not on to your brain. As adults, no one ever told us we are capable of dealing with any uncomfortable emotion. Even now, this is what we do to cope. So the RAR is two R's and then an A. And number one is we resist our emotions. And be, you, you'll most likely notice the second R, which is react, because when people react to their emotions, they hit or scream or yell or argue or, or slam doors or things like that. It's very obvious that they're probably not processing their emotion in a healthy way, but resisting emotions is trickier to actually um, know that you're doing or not. So resisting is shaming ourselves that we are feeling these negative emotions. Like I shouldn't be feeling ungrateful about the Valentine card. We push them down deep inside of us and what we resist persists. So 
it makes it worse and it grows even bigger. And then our mind is looking for more evidence of how this is true. One way to think of it is holding a beach ball down in the swimming pool. Those feelings push down, create pressure, and they eventually shoot up out of the water or out of our mouths or our bodies. That's the next star, which is reacting. And our emotions have reached a boiling point and we can't handle the pressure anymore. You've probably seen this happen with very calm people who seem never ruffled or affected by anything. Then all of a sudden they do something completely out of character and freak out. They usually don't even realize why they blew up. They shoved each small irritation, annoyance down and in an effort to eliminate negative emotion over and over again, they've just shoved it down inside. Most of us are completely unaware how much stuffing of negative emotions we've done. So just start to be on to your brain. This is the way to figure out if you're doing this or not. Number two is the second R, which is another way to cope with difficult emotions. And I've talked about this. We react to them. So sometimes reactions include hitting or yelling, arguing, blaming, rolling eyes, stomping away, sighing with frustration, slamming doors. Some boys like to punch walls, snap at people. You get the picture. You act in a way that you're not proud of and say and do things you wish you hadn't. The last one is avoiding, and it's the most common coping mechanism. We distract ourselves to forget what we are feeling. We buffer, which is anything we do that gives us a net negative in our lives. It is usually overing something. We overeat, we overwork, we oversleep, we overwatch Netflix, video games, sports, social media, Snapchat, TikTok, pornography. Some people over drink, take drugs or smoke. We over shop or over gamble. The list goes on and on. So let's examine overeating really quick. When we overeat, we gain weight and it gives us a net negative in our life. We weigh more than we want to. So we compound the problem. We don't solve it. Remember any behavior that gives us a net negative is called buffering. And I can do a whole episode on that coming up. For example, we have a problem come up like our spouse says something derogatory to us. We think a thought like they shouldn't have said that. We feel angry, so we eat an Oreo and then another Oreo and then another Oreo. We are distracting ourselves from our anger or frustration with cookies. We do this because it works temporarily, right? We get a dopamine hit, we feel our anger subside, but as we continually use this coping mechanism, we gain more weight than we want to, and that gives us a net negative in our lives as we stand on the scale and realize we are not a healthy weight. I did this when my marriage was at its worst. I ate a king-sized candy bar just about every day to cope with my negative emotions. And after our marriage improved, I got to the work of losing the weight. I had practiced the skill of allowing and processing emotions. In this case, I just accepted my emotions, like in this case with Valentine's Day, instead of eating my emotions. Buffering is easy to do. It's a quick fix. It's giving into impulses, appetites, passions, or pleasure, but it begins this cycle of destruction, pain, and suffering. The way to break this cycle is to learn the cell skill of accepting emotions and allowing them just to be there without resisting, reacting, or avoiding them. This is a skill that none of us were taught but can be learned and practiced. Once you realize that you are capable of allowing any emotion, 
you have the world by the tail. When you can handle any emotion in your life without roaring, you can do anything you want. If you knew you could just do what I consider the worst emotions, which for me are shame, humiliation, embarrassment, anger, anxiety, or depression, you have a superpower at your fingertips. You can fail and get back up. You are willing to try things you never imagined possible. You can process emotion instead of letting it control you because you realize that emotions are just vibrations in your body. In the next week's episode, I will teach you how to allow and process emotion. But until then, try to figure out what you are even feeling. Many of us don't know. Notice when you are feeling a negative emotion. Try to find the cause of it, which is a thought, and question whether this is a thought you want to keep or you'd rather come up with a different thought that would create a better feeling. So just know that this is just like thought work with the figuring out between a circumstance and a thought. This takes a lot of practice. It's a lot of work and it is so worth it. And where you'll see it show up is in your behaviors in your life. Have you ever felt like you say something just comes out of your mouth and you don't even realize it's come out before you said it and you wish so bad you could take it back? That is because you are thinking thoughts in your head over and over and over again, and they finally come out of your mouth. But how awesome would it be if you'd process this emotion through allowing for it, or you had considered and come up with a different belief about these negative things that kept going through your head and recurring and repeating? What if you thought of something a different way? It would never come out of your mouth. That's what my problem was for years. I would just feel this stuff, resist it, um, react to it or avoid it, just push it down, pretend like it's not there. And then all of a sudden I would just say something that I was so regretting that I'd said, and it was because I hadn't done this work. So you will see huge changes if you're able to do this. If any of you have little miracles in your lives You've been seeking and expecting miracles. I hope as you've been listening to these podcasts and I hope that little things are coming up that you are seeing the Lord's hand in your life. And if you have, please email me at charlotteshieldscoaching at gmail.com. I would love to hear them and I will share them on this podcast with others. And you can, we can all increase our faith by hearing all the good things the Lord is doing for us. All right, guys, until next week, seek and expect miracles.